Hello, everyone. Welcome again. My name is Janet Sibanda, here with the Mwanangu Mtanami Family Podcast, bringing you more important insights about our favorite subject matter, pregnancy and parenting. This week, we'll be showcasing Mungai Munati. Um, she's a clinical psychologist here in Harare, and she's going to walk us through some issues. I'll let her introduce herself and then get right into our topic of discussion today, which is basically looking at the issue of names. So, Wongai, welcome. How are you? Hi, Janet. Um, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you so much for coming. Um, please, may you just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um, I'm glad we are finally getting a chance to do this. Um, as you've already said, my name is Wongai Minazi. Mm-hmm. I am a clinical psychologist, 12 years in practice now. Um, I work from Harare. I'm based in Harare. I work with uh, children and families. I've got a very special interest in working with children. Um, I, I think that uh, there's a lot in terms of parenting that we are never taught. Um, and, I, and I always kind of talk about how, um, you know, if you're building a house and kind of you know, make a mistake, you know, with the plan or the builders make a mistake with the plan and following the plan, they can kind of just, you know, sort of, you know, break, break down the wall and, you know, go in the direction that they are meant to go. But with parenting, unfortunately, um, when we start building in a particular way and we, we make certain foundations in our children, um, those foundations can't be shifted and changed. And we sort of in the long run reap foundations that would have sort of laid. So I think uh, children are very important. They are our future and they're the future of a nation and the society. And how we raise them, them is actually quite important. And so I have a very special interest in working in this area and I do parenting classes, you know, just to, to help parents um, raise their children well and raise them right so that we have, uh, you know, good adults and that have a bright future, which I think is what, you know, every parent sort of wants for their child. So I'm really happy to be on the podcast today talking, you know, about names and talking about um, sticks and stones and um, how, you know, they, they um, I say to not break our bones, but mm. but they do leave a lasting impact and they do make, you know, a lot of damage that we then see a lot in, in adulthood. Yes, and I'm, I'm so glad about the analogy that you gave about building a house because the foundation here is most important, right? And um, So to give our listeners a bit of context, yeah. stick Sticks and Stones is an article that I wrote where I was sharing what what I went through growing up and it was basically about the nicknames that I had been given and some of them came from family, some of them came from other kids I went to school with and they they did a lot, you know, to beat down my self-esteem and at some point I was bullied and I felt like I was entitled to this because I was already worth nothing so there was nothing to protect but um, there was a turning point and I am what I am now (laughs) <laughs> at least they didn't break my bones and they didn't break my spirit but Tonga is going to take us through her insights as a professional who works with children and families as to what it really means when you give 
labels, you know, and what it means to the children themselves when, um, when it comes from the people that they're meant to be trusting and having security in. So we'll get right into our discussion. First of all, guy, I will ask, what are your thoughts and reflections about my article, Sticks and Stones? So, you know, I, I think, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant article that, uh, you know, talks about very important things that we um, talk about um, as psychologists, um, you know, in terms of taking care of children and raising children. And in reflecting, you know, to your article, I think the first thing that I would want to say is that, um, you know, parents and uh, families are, particularly parents are, you know, a, a child's first relationship. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, um, the first thing that we have to understand, you know, as parents um, uh, is that we predispose our children to, you know, mental health illness or, or mental health challenges, mm-hmm. you know, right from the womb. A lot of the times people think that, you know, um, children don't remember um, things that happen to them when they are really small or when they are, are young. But, uh, you know, that's actually the first five years of a person's life are their foundational years. Mm. So we found that um, a lot of things around depression and even anxiety or fear, a lot of it comes from the womb. And we've found that, you know, um, through research and, and psychology, that there's a lot of fighting, there's a lot of aggression, there's a lot of um, uh, mom is this, you know, when she was anxious, quite a lot of fearful or facing trauma, she can actually pass on stress through to her child in utero whilst the child is in the womb. Oh. And um, there are memories that are sort of laid down in our children's minds before they were even born so if all the time mom is fearful all the time mom is anxious she's passing on stress hormones to the baby whilst the baby's in the womb you teach or train the baby's mind before the baby is even born that the world is dangerous and you find that your child will have memories become fearful or anxious later on as they grow up because whilst they were in the womb or you know you were predisposing them and you were teaching them that you know the world is not safe and you know a lot of the time they will have what we call in psychology a nameless dread they are afraid but they don't know why they are afraid that's how you find as adults sometimes you know you're quite anxious or you become quite fearful um when you hear certain sounds or there are noises or when people are shouting and things like that and you just don't know why you're overcome by such fear because there are memories that are in your mind that are laid down before you even had language. Mm. So the first thing that we have to understand as parents is that, you know, you're your child's first relationship and their experience of the world or what the world is like comes from you. So Mm. all of those things around, you know, your child's value, um, how important they are, um, they are worth all of them. You know, this means that if a, if a parent is absent all around or they are treating their child like a priority or they are saying things that are hurtful and that are breaking down the child's spirit, what they learn, you know, in those foundational years is that they are not important, they are not valuable, they're not good enough. All of that is things that are infused in a child in the first five years of their life. So... When I read Sticks and Stones, mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it, it brought out that concept right from the beginning to, to say, you know, home is a very important, is an important place because 
that is the foundation or the building blocks of what the person will be like. So the way that I, I would like you to then look at this and think about this is to say, when we are born, we are in psychology, we call it tabula rasa, we are like a blank slate oh, that yeah. experience writes upon. So our children are born blank slates. Mm. And then experiences that we have with them, and you know, who they are, what they can do, what they cannot do, how good they are, how worthy they are, how valuable they are, or how they lack value. So it's in yeah. the things we say, it's in the way we treat them, it's in the way we, we we take care of them, and it's in the way that we hold them. The children start to learn if they're priority, if they're important, if they're valuable, or if they're not. And so this is where labels and names, because we are actually telling them who they are. When mm-hmm. we say you are ugly, when you say you are dark when we say thunder thighs, when we say tambarafuta, and all those kind of things. Um, we are saying we are giving our children identity, and we are we are saying this is who you are. And they look to us, you know, because we are the people that they trust, we are the yeah. people that they believe, know, and understand who they are. We they look to us as you know the people that are giving them the foundational you know information and truth about who they are. And so they hold on to our words very dearly, and our words then become very important and also how we treat them also becomes very important so sticks and stones was very insightful and it was right on the money in terms of talking about the importance of labels and names and also how they then impact on the development of an identity self-worth and self-esteem and then how our children then go into the world and represent themselves in the world Okay. Oh, wow. That's quite interesting there. I was thinking I was just sharing a story to say, hey, guys, be careful (laughs) when you say what you say to your children. So my next question was going to be, was I being overly sensitive? Um, And then from what you just said, I think it it suffices to say that, no, I was well within my rights. (laughs) As a person to say that, um, you know, this this was not a good one. No, no, you, you, you are not being overly sensitive and neither were you, you know, uh, making a mountain out of, uh, out of a molehill. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. I'm vindicated. My next question mm-hmm. to you, Ongai, is to what extent have you encountered people who have been affected by these foundational year traumas and how exactly do they present? You know, when, when you're now grown or you're an adult or whatever, how then does it show that there were certain things you went through in your childhood? Mm, okay. Um, so uh, I think the vast majority of people, Janet, will come in with um, psychological challenges or, or mental health problems have had uh, significant trauma in childhood. And um, depending on the severity of the trauma, um, you know, the signs and symptoms will sort of mirror or will speak to that kind of trauma. Mm. But, you know, what, what, we were t- what we are talking about, because, I mean, there are various, uh, you know, levels of trauma, you know, things around physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, mm-hmm. verbal abuse, you know, and emotional abuse, you know, will present differently in adulthood. And if you are talking about things like this, labels, names, you know, they come under, you know, emotional and verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the times they come to attack a person's self, you know, identity is the first thing that's, uh, that's affected. Yeah. Um, and um, a lot of the times what you then have is conditions that are about the self. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember in Sticks and Stones, we're talking about, you know, not being able to accept yourself. Because remember what I said, 
you know, mm. around, you know, your parents being the people that teach you that you're a good person, that you're acceptable, that you are lovable. Yeah. And therefore that frames your identity and also your personality. So when people say, and are constantly criticizing you and are constantly saying, you don't look good enough, what you have done is not good enough. Um, you know, your body has got certain things that will make you not be appreciated or liked. And you're constantly being compared with those that have features that are staged to be beautiful and all of these kind of things what happens is you develop shame about yourself mm. and you also develop disorders you know around the self and these are the most difficult kind of conditions to sort of deal with because it's easier for a person to deal with um something that's outside of themselves if i think mm -hmm. that you know i have got an attachment to myself you know i can cut off the attachment yeah. but if there's something wrong with me the self you know it's very difficult to do with myself except kill myself because that's how i get rid of the you know the flow within the self you know yeah and so you find that a lot of the times when you know people that uh, have been labeled and, and have had problems with that tend to have low confidence they tend to have low self-esteem they they have no value and they, they usually you know treat themselves in that particular way so a lot of them are very self-sabotaging in adulthood mm -hmm. they because they don't value themselves they put themselves in situations that um are dangerous to themselves and a lot of the times you find in relationship a lot of the times in relating you find um you know women that have been abused or men that have been abused as they are growing up they tend to find spouses that are also abusive to them because they don't see the value in themselves much like you are allowing that yes so uh, yeah so it's subconscious much like you were allowing you know that um bully. that that bully only mm. you 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 were saying to yourself i deserve to be treated like this uh, i deserve to be bullied i deserve to be you know treated like i'm a second class citizen a second class human being because i i don't measure up and i'm not good enough so you know they have a right to mock me to laugh at me to you know point out those flaws or those things that don't look so good on me and so when you're you have you you lack that confidence um you you tend to then you know, not go for opportunities because you think you're not good enough, not mm -hmm. uh, allow people to treat you like you're not good enough. Um, they can cheat on you, you'll still stay. They can beat you up, you'll still stay. Mm. You'll have the raw end of the deal and you will still stay, um, you know. And I've seen a lot of that, um, whether it be in work, whether it be in relationships and people get married to people like that because in the first place, the first relationship with their parents and in their families, they were told that they were not valuable. So a lot of the times they think people are doing them a favor by loving them, by wanting to be friends, rather than that they have got something valuable to contribute. Yeah. And um, so in the long run, they are depressed, they are anxious a lot, they use substances to cope, they are you know, attention-seeking, Mm -hmm. They self-harm and self-sabotage. And these are a lot of conditions that you then see in adulthood because there was that neglect and that trauma that happened in childhood. My goodness, this is also profound, you know, and it, it, it's got me thinking. Do you know, like when we're cooking, mm -hmm. like let's say you've got potatoes, right? And you want mm -hmm. to use the potatoes in your food. You, If there are any bad parts, you cut mm -hmm. them off. 
and you throw them away yeah. because they're bad parts. We don't mm. want to eat those. You know, um, yeah. at some point I got to that sense of feeling that, you know what, um, mm. you know, it, was, it was almost subconscious. Oh, okay, no, this is a bad part. Let me cut it off. And I, I, mm. I literally could envision myself doing it until I snapped out of it. And then I realized, hang on, you don't just cut off mm. body parts, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and get rid of the bad parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yes. So, so when you yeah. say that, it, it, it's making a lot of sense mm. to me, you know, but yeah. because I'm all about yeah. solutions, right? I'll ask mm. you this mm. question. Is there a way mm. to recover? You know, um, yeah. how do you rewrite the foundation or how do you rebuild okay. the foundation? Okay. You know, so so um, I think it's very important. Um, you know, we hear quite a lot, um, you know, about self awareness, um, mm-hmm. um, because what enabled you, Janet, to snap out of it was a sense of self awareness. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, I, I I would like to explain it like this so that I hope that people can get it and and they can understand it. You know, we, we right now we are, you know, we're in the technology age and we are having this conversation, you know, very far from each other mm-hmm. um, using an application or an app, right? Yeah. And a lot of us in this day and age, we've got smartphones and smartphones run on apps, right? Yeah. Apps have got programs, right? Mm-hmm. And programs are codes that are written by programmers. Yeah. You know, the layman, you and me don't really care about the program, right? Mm-hmm. We... We want to just use the application to do what we wanted to do. So, for example, when WhatsApp began, WhatsApp was just for sending messages. We couldn't delete messages. We couldn't take pictures. We couldn't send um, documents over WhatsApp. But the programmer sort of then rewrote the code in such a way that we would be able to do you know, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So I want you to think about your foundational years like this you were born and you didn't have a program. And then your parents in the first five years of your life wrote a program or a code, Mm -hmm. a code by which you you live your life. But you don't see this code, just like you and me don't see the code for WhatsApp because we are not programmers. And even if we did see it, we wouldn't even know what it meant. Mm -hmm. But that code is like the hidden hand that's making WhatsApp function. So you and me have got a code we've got a template we've got a program that program was written by by our parents by from the time that we were between zero and five so today you've made lots of decisions janet um Mm -hmm. you've decided what you're going to eat you've decided that you can't go out of the house naked you have to wear clothes and even those clothes you've decided you know the ones that were too tight and just the ones that would make you uncomfortable or would you would think people would you know would not appreciate you in or you know all of these kind of things and these are things that we do subconsciously yeah even the person that we are attracted to um the work that we like to do um our character our personality things like that all of those things are things that we do unconsciously or subconsciously we don't have to think about them why because the program just like you know uh like whatsapp from the click of a button you know there are many things that are happening and we don't have to worry about how they're happening right mm-hmm. we just have to see what we want which is delete a message send a message send a picture or whatever mm-hmm. we are doing that and the program is doing that and the program is like a hidden hand mm-hmm. and that's making decisions and choices for us so if in our program right 
through the way that we've been treated, through the way that we've been handled, through the way that our, you know, our parents, you know, uh, raised us. The program has been programmed to say we are not valuable, we are useless, we are this, we are that, we are that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We sometimes then cannot tell that that's how we feel about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that we get into situations and we automatically make choices and we think these are our choices. But we automatically not- agree with what a bully is doing or saying. We automatically, you know, a fight for a relationship, even if that relationship is hurtful to us. We automatically say we can't, you know, uh, um, do something because we've been told for so long that we are not good enough and that we can't do it. So now it's not a conscious thing. It's like we are on autopilot and mm-hmm. it's like we are asleep whilst we are awake. So, so, so the first thing, you know, that's important for us to do mm-hmm. is to uh, actually recognize what's in our program and what's in our template. And mm-hmm. how we recognize what's in our program and what's in our template is through repetition. Okay. What are the things in adulthood that we continuously repeat? Mm-hmm. So if it's dating, are we continue, continuing to date people that, you know, dump us or that treat us badly or that beat us up or that are constantly shouting at us, uh, that are constantly bringing us down? If it's friendships, are we the ones who are always looking for our friends? They never look for us. They are never appreciative. We buy them birthday gifts and they don't buy us anything. Mm-hmm. Are we the one who's constantly reaching out to everybody else and sending them messages, but they never look for us? Mm-hmm. Are we the ones who are constantly paying when everybody else goes out, but they actually never pay for anything? Are we the ones who are, you know, these repetitions in our lives, in different areas of our lives, alert us and tell us that there is a problem within our programming. Yeah. So even if it's with raising our children, are we constantly in a certain fight with our kids? Are our kids constantly doing the same things? Are we constantly seeing a pattern you know, that we sort of can't break within our children or within our interaction with our spouses and within our children. That repetition then alerts us to the fact that there is a problem within the program. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, Janet, you know, that girl wasn't the first person who bullied you. You were probably bullied all your life and you then ended up feeling like there was something wrong with you because where everywhere you went, you were being bullied. It's the same thing with rejection. It's like the last boyfriend rejected me. My family rejected me. My, you know, my friends reject me. In Mm. intimate relationships, I'm rejected. There's always a pattern of rejection. That pattern of rejection, that repetition is what tells you that there's something within the program. The way you are acting towards the world or the things you are choosing based on your program are creating the same sort of result. Mm-hmm. So when people say the repetition of the same thing, thinking it will yield different results is not wisdom. But a lot of the times, because we are on autopilot, we don't actually realize that we are doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like in your article, you were bullied at home, you went to school, you were bullied, and your response to that bullying was the same. And yeah. that response of accepting the bullying, right, was like agreeing that, yes, I'm not worthwhile. Yes, I'm not valuable. Yes, you are entitled to say what you're saying. Yes, you're entitled to doing what you're doing. I accept it. You are right. The yeah. day you did something different, 
you stopped the repetition and you said, no, I am valuable. You have no right to speak to me this way. You have no right to act in this way towards me. The bullying stopped. And when that stopped, what did you do? You rewrote the program. Hey, yes, I did. <laughs> and, you, and you changed the template. So yeah. firstly, you had to be aware. Mm -hmm. Then secondly, noticed the repetition. Thirdly, you changed the way you responded to the repetition. And then you changed the program. Mm. Okay, profound. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. And you know, like, as you were talking, I, I, I was reflecting, you know, you said um, that was not the first time it, it happened. And I, 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 in my mom's house, I am like the last born and I have two elder brothers, you know? So that in itself was like a recipe for disaster. Every time people got in trouble, I was the one who pacified everything. You know, they sent me to go and appease everyone and everything, um, especially my dad. But one of the things that happened was because I was the only girl, I was also the subject of a lot of attacks from my brothers, you know, as we were growing yeah. up. And mm. um, I could not defend myself because I was smaller and I was a girl, mm. you know? Yeah. So yeah. each time I tried to stand up for myself, I would be suppressed. And also, you know, mm. the old children are, are, are seen and not heard. You know, even if you've got something that you feel is, has you've been wronged, you know, in our culture, we believe our parents can never do wrong. You know, so everything they do is acceptable and we must just um, grin and bear it. So, you know, when you, when you look at those things, as I'm reflecting now, they, it makes sense that if I felt like my parents had done something that wasn't okay, I wasn't okay with, I couldn't tell them no, you know? And yeah. if I did, mm -hmm. I would be in trouble for talking back, right? And yeah. with, mm -hmm. with my brothers, when they came at mm -hmm. me, I couldn't say no. You know, I, I talked to my other brother and mm -hmm. I always tell him, you know, I hated you as a child. You were like so evil mm -hmm. and you were the mm -hmm. worst person, you yeah. know? And he says, oh, yeah. I'm glad you've grown, you know? So looking at it from that perspective, that's where you, you, you can, I can tell within my journey that, yeah, there is a pattern, you know? And that's actually the very important thing because what we then do is you have to understand this. You, you learn the, you know, the, the template creates or the program that is created between zero to five is generalized to all your relationships. Because mm -hmm. remember what I said, you're a blank slate. They teach you how to relate to them because they're your first relationship. Mm -hmm. And then they teach you how to relate to the world. And so you then get into the world, you know, feeling a certain way, acting a certain way that then attracts that kind of treatment from others. And yeah. then you, you then see, like you know, like, for example, we learn how to add in grade one and the basics of mathematics, the foundational principles of mathematics are, ed, are, are learned. Then we get to grade five, the numbers become bigger, right? Mm -hmm. They are not one plus one is equals to two. They are 555 plus 75 or something like that. Yeah. What we are doing is we're not learning the principle of addition. We are just applying it and generalizing it to the huge numbers. Mm -hmm. We get to form one the numbers become bigger. We get to up A level, the numbers are bigger, but the foundational principle hasn't changed. So what you were taught between zero to five about, about yourself and then also about the world and how the world relates to you and how it ought to treat you is what you use when you go to kindergarten and to play with others. It's mm -hmm. what you use when you go to grade seven. It's what you use in high school. It's what you use 
in dating and in university and anywhere else that you find yourself. You are just generalizing the concept. And which yeah. is why you find that you then have this continuous cycle of repetition in your life. And that repetition is what must alert you that there's something wrong with the program and there's something wrong that was put in your foundational years that is making you prone to sort of attracting it again in your adulthood. And usually when we attract it again or when we relive it in adulthood, what we are trying to do is we are trying to fix the scars of childhood in mm. adulthood. And what you did then when you faced that bully, you fixed a scar of childhood in adulthood. And sometimes what paralyzes us in adulthood is that when these scars happened or these wounds happened, we were too young and we felt we didn't have power to mm -hmm. deal with it. And then when we are older, we still feel that same disempowerment because no one has taught us to deal with it because we didn't have the power when we were children. And now we, don't, we feel we don't have the power when we are adults. So it's actually quite important, like I was saying to you, for us to be able to notice that repetition, to say, I'm always in these situations. And because I'm always in these situations, it means there is something wrong with my program. And you then want to find out where exactly in my program did I start feeling like I wasn't valuable? Did I start feeling like I wasn't good enough? Did I start feeling like, you know, people could treat me like this? And yeah. then we need to do the exact opposite of what we did then, which is accept it and tolerate it. And, you know, actually challenge it. Because when we challenge it, we reprogram ourselves and we actually realize that what we are afraid of is not as scary as we thought it was. Yeah, that is so true. That is so true. I'm so happy about this. And, you know, um, it, 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 it brings a lot of things to perspective. So now um, I would then go on to ask, I think we are running out of our time. Um, does our personality, you know, they talk of people having different temperaments. Um, they've got the sanguine, yeah. the melancholic, and all of those, right? Do these traumas have an impact on these temperaments or the two are running parallel within your space and um, but still affecting you both heavily directly? Okay. So, so, so this thing, you know, um, uh, you know, there are things that we, you're, you're bringing into focus, you know, the nature-nature sort of debate, okay? Mm, yeah. There are things that we are born with, which is almost like your, you know, like your temperament, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then there are things that we acquire that that's, uh, you know, that that's nature, like your nature is in your biological sort of makeup. And then there's nature, which is your, you know, how you're raised, how you're socialized, how you're taken care of. Mm -hmm. And you find that, um, you know, we, 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 we are born with, with, with those temperaments. And then if we are then in an environment that doesn't actually recognize and help us work with our temperament, we then can develop personality disorders and, okay. um, you know, which, which are fixed ways of acting and relating with others, you know, that come as a result of trauma. So you find that, you know, you know, people that ha have got very difficult personalities um, uh, usually uh, have had these traumas in childhood uh, where they've been neglected, they haven't been taken care of well. They they then find it very difficult to trust people. They then find it difficult to relate with people. And then they then have a very complicated structure or way of being as a result of, you know, uh, the way that they were treated in, in childhood. So 
you, you'd hear people talk about borderline personality disorder or histrionic personality disorder or yeah. antisocial personality disorder where people have no remorse. They can steal from you. They can kill, kill you. They can rape or abuse you um, and won't have any remorse about it. That's your antisocial personality disorder and all of those people that people call psychopaths, sociopaths and all of those kind of things. Okay. A lot of it is coming from the, from the fact that those traumas that happened in childhood has then created a personality and a way of of relating with the world that you know that is you know that is that is difficult and that is not great because of those traumas and the way people were treated in in, in childhood so it's actually quite important you know for parents um to really think about how they are, you know, working and, you know, and raising their children. And it's as simple as not just the labels and the words that we say, but it's, you know, how you soothe your child when your child is crying, mm -hmm. um, whether you ignore them and you let them cry until they stop crying or until they learn that their tears don't move you or in that they are learning if that's repeated long enough they learn that they are not important enough and that if they cry no one is going to care about their they are crying or they are, mm. is going to care about what they need. And then they end up disavowing those needs and saying, I don't need them. But then in that, there's a difficult personality that then develops and grows. And it's those adults that will say to you, I don't need anybody, won't allow anybody close, won't show you any emotion or any feelings, even if they do feel them. Um, and, you know, because they are afraid of being in that position where they're going to be deprived and they're not going to be cared for. So yeah. it then takes a very, you know, um, a, a, a very, you know, deep thing, you know, as people grow and become older, because everything that we are doing in raising our children, um, you know, has a very huge impact on who they become and uh, what they end up becoming and what they end up doing with their lives. Yeah, it, it, it's actually a huge task and it's really very scary. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, it makes me think, I mean, I, I have said to my kids before that your tears don't move me. Um, so I will repent <laughs> of my sins. You need to. <laughs> I think also it's, it's you, sometimes you can start to see patterns develop when kids cry a lot, you know, and they know that it makes you act a certain way, you know, and then at some point mm. they start to manipulate that that emotion within you so i'm not always like that but you know there's particular instances when you know that mm, this person they know their history and they know why they're in trouble um but yeah. you know you and i will have an aside about that one <laughs> so okay <laughs> um i think probably um as 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 we taper off right what do you say about self-love is it selfish like for someone to actually, as you talked about self-awareness, for someone to be able to, to say to someone else, because I, I know our society doesn't allow us to stand up for ourselves. But what do you say yeah. about that in, in, in relation to the subject matter that we're discussing right now? Um, I, I think that um, a lot of, um, you, you know, self-love is, is, is the remedy to what we are talking about right now because a lot of the times when we are told that there's something wrong with us, when we are told that we don't look good enough uh, or that we, you know, we are not acceptable, um, you know, being able to, you know, separate whatever it is that has made the other person feel that we are not acceptable or what has made them treat us like we are not acceptable is very important because uh, if you think about a lot of the stuff that was happening to you and, you know, in reading that, um, 
that article sticks and stones. Bullies usually are people that are troubled. Mm. Um, and I usually say this, um, if you, um, you know, if you are bigger than me, you don't need to tell me that you're bigger than me. Everybody in the world can see that you're bigger than me. Exactly. But if you have to exit, exit pressure, you know, to show the world and to show me that you're bigger than me, then there's somebody that you're trying to convince. And I think usually you're trying to convince yourself. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, you know, uh, uh, iPhone and the 3310, you know, the old Nokia 3310. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody can tell which one is the better phone. But if, uh, if an iPhone is standing on top of a mountain and saying I'm better than a 3310, it's not trying to convince the 3310 or the people around them. It's trying to convince itself. Mm. So when people are beating you down, they're not trying to convince you that you're smaller. They're trying to convince themselves that they're bigger. Because mm. in essence, they feel that they are smaller. So, you know, in understanding that, we then have to realize that the things that are said about us, you know, by people that say we are not good enough, are actually, you know, you know, things that the other person feels bad about themselves and mm. not the other way around. So they are not true. And therefore, we need to then actually start discounting the things that they are saying and actually knowing that we are only attacked because that we must have something that's good enough, which is why they are attacking us. So that kind of self-love, that kind of self-acceptance to say, you know, there must have been something about those thighs. There must have been something about me, even in my chubbiness, that, you know, caught your attention mm-hmm. and made you attack it, you know, mm-hmm. because if it wasn't good enough, you, you should have been, you know, lifting me up, not trying to tear me down. Yeah. But if you're trying to tear me down, there must have been something wonderful about it that you, you know, mm-hmm. you're trying to make yourself tall <laughs> by making me feel small. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so having that and understanding that, you know, makes us then start accepting ourselves and making us love ourselves. And when we love ourselves, we will refuse to be treated like crap and we will protect ourselves. But when we don't love ourselves, we won't protect ourselves. That's true. We will allow anybody to treat us in any way and anyhow because we, we think we deserve it because we don't actually like ourselves. That's true. Before I ask you to give us your parting thoughts, it reminds me of be careful what you tolerate from other people because you're telling them or teaching them how to treat you. So with yeah. that being said, what are your parting words in relation to sticks and stones? Uh, it's um... I'm glad you did the article and I'm also glad that we've had this chance and this opportunity to talk about it. Um, There are lots of wounds that we have that we carry around with us or things that people have have said, you know, that have impacted on our lives, you know, positively sometimes and negatively um, sometimes. And we need to be aware of our programming and we need to be aware of the things that we're constantly repeating and things that we say we don't like in ourselves you know, um, that sort of put us into trouble or that don't, you know, um, allow us to shine and to, you know, to be the best, you know, that we can be of ourselves. And uh, we need to, you know, be aware of ourselves mm-hmm. and think about that program and think about what, you know, has happened to us in childhood and start thinking about ways of trying to shift and change those so that we can be the best person that uh, that we can be. Oh. I am, I am, I'm so, I am so, I don't know what to say. Um, I, I love this, this conversation. I enjoyed it so much more for myself because it was more healing, you know, 
then um, I, I'm, I'm hoping our listeners also feel the same, but I'm so grateful to you for having had this discussion with us. And I know definitely we're going to have more and more conversations. And I'm glad we started with this wonderful foot forward. So, Wongai, um, thank you so much for coming. And Thank you so much for having me. Yes, spending this amazing time with us. May God continue to enrich and bless the work that you do because you are doing an amazing job. Thank you so much. And until next time. Thanks, Janet. Take care. Bye. Bye.